What's up, Internet? You're tuned into this week's episode of We Watched Invincible, where we are, of course, here to review and discuss episode seven. We need to talk. About what? This episode of Invincible. Nice. Thank you very much, Kel. I was really just a, a plus work there, buddy. Thank you very much. You know you can count on me. Of course. Uh, of course, I am your host of this show, Mr. Pete and Bessie. I am joined this week by Sean. Hello. Marco. Hello. And the comedic genius, Kel. Don't ever count on me. <laughs> That's a good Three. turn. 18. <laughs> I feel like um I feel like that's kind of the energy that that Mark had this episode, so maybe that's appropriate, you know. That's pretty much what I'm bringing to the table. Always the main character, <laughs> never wanting to be though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I think um it's it's uh we're we're getting to the main event here, right? I mean, we've got one more episode this season. Um, the moment that we know we've been building to all season, like, is is you know here. Uh, as of episode seven and um, you know we we're, we're seeing the the conflict with Nolan finally come to a head um, and that that is where I, I want to focus the bulk of our of our conversation today um, but I think before we get into that since that is like a lot of what went down um, I'd like to pick up at kind of I guess like the double entendre entendre excuse me um, of this title because obviously Mark and Amber also had some shit to talk about this episode um, so I, I wanted to, to start with Amber, um, because I really do like how they've evolved the character to be someone that I'm just far more interested in. And I think a couple weeks back we had talked about, um, I think it was Sean who had specifically called out, like, it was interesting to think about how their relationship was going to blow up because of the differences in the characters and kind of the way that the narrative has has swerved in a few ways. Um, and one of the things that I remember saying at the time was thinking that she might just dump him because she was like had her shit together and really didn't seem like she needed him or whatever. And I kind of it kind of seems like that's what we're playing at here, but I'm wondering if it's gonna stick. No. Uh she is a character their characters on a TV show, and this is par for the course. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know there are beats from the from the comic that they haven't hit yet that I suspect they will. Um, I could totally see them not, but this is just one season of presumably several. So there's a lot more story to tell. I don't see them just getting rid of the character, and you know, frankly, her function on the show, regardless of how well they've done. Uh, the job of of making her, you know, a character unto herself. Her primary function is being his girlfriend. So if that's not going to be the case going forward, keeping her around becomes a lot more difficult. And now you have to find reasons for her to be on the show. Whereas right now, I think the 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 state of their relationship is a good one to close out the season with. Once she sees how terrible mark's life is and all the shit he goes through she's very unlikely to be like yeah well i still don't want to date you because you are unreliable that was kind of the vibe i was getting where they show uh everybody reacting to what's going on on the news right and you kind of get that shot of her at home getting like a front row seat into what mark has actually been dealing with when he's not making it to things or or blowing her off or whatever yeah exactly I don't remember seeing her during that at all. 
Yeah, they cut to pretty much all of the minor characters that we saw in this episode. Just like yeah. she's like sitting on her bed, like clutching a pillow or whatever. And even oh, when really when she tells him to get the hell out, and he does, she has a a, a facial reaction to that where she's kind of like, "Oh, but you laugh, you laugh." Yeah, she like, left. She, leave. yeah, she yeah. did the the turn back. <laughs> yeah. Did she look? Did she look? <laughs> oh, maybe he's still there. Yeah, um, I did like that she had figured it out too. Um, I think I because like it's it's one of those things that in retrospect, like thinking about how like Amber jumps to like, oh, he's a drug dealer. It's kind of funny that in a world of superheroes, that nobody ever yeah. assumes that someone's a superhero when they're flaky as fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. But and yeah, I mean, she she gets upset about him because of like the whole, oh, you didn't tell me shit, which is like, all right fine but if she knows then uh, if that's like the only confirmation that she needed you would think that she'd be probing questions like have like probing questions because like like on on him instead of just kind of like giving him not even giving him that rope mm. i am 100 percent with you right like i don't know it, it it that didn't mesh with me for for her to, to sort of do that yeah i i remember thinking that that felt like odd you know, and, and like, I guess, I guess, like, I guess you could argue that if you're already mad, right, it's like, well, whatever, like, I'm pissed off, you know? So, like, I I acted in anger, even if it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, I remember thinking, I was like, really? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you, you know? Because like, right. it's like, it's not like he left, because the whole inciting incident was him leaving, right? So, mm-hmm. it's like, but he didn't really leave, you know? So, right. are you mad? He's right there. So like, are you actually mad about that, or are you mad that he lied, or? She's well. She said she's she's mad that he lied. She's mad that right. he didn't. He wasn't forthcoming. But you know, it should be pretty obvious why he wasn't. And this is not like, oh, I didn't tell you my dad's a cop. You know, this is this is like, <laughs> I I personally am a superhero. My life is in danger every day, and I don't feel like, you know, putting you in danger. It's pretty easy to understand, and for a character who otherwise is so smart. And portrayed as being really down to earth and getting it she missed the mark here and i think that's more due to the writers not really knowing how else to keep their uh tension going because they needed to to force a breakup so that there can be this rising uh tension going into the end of the series yeah or season rather than it making logical sense for the character and i think what frustrates me about that is i don't think it's illogical for them to break up right now it's just like her reasoning for yeah. it felt flimsy. Whereas like, yeah. cause like when he talks about it with Eve later, she's like, why didn't she's like, yeah, I didn't tell you to be an asshole for a month and like, you know, blow her off like four or five times. Like you can get why she would be upset even if that is the case. But I think, I think it being tied to the conflict at the college feels like weird. Cause if she doesn't know that anger totally makes sense. But if she already knew or thought she knew, and then he's revealing it, and she's still like, well, fuck you anyway. It's kind of like, why? She's also asking him, like, where did you go? Where were you? Like, you like she doesn't know those the answer to those questions. That It's just, again, she, I guess she's playing a role herself of, like, not wanting to blow the fact that she knows. But that doesn't make sense. Like, that's dumb. If, if she knows, and it's pretty obvious, and anybody could have figured it out in that moment, it would make a lot more sense for her to be the actor and say, listen, I know what you are 
And I'm not mad at you because of that. I'm mad at you because you didn't trust me after I've been by your side and held you down for six months that you wouldn't think enough of me to be honest with me about who you are. The fact that she wasn't the one to, 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 to bring that to the table and that he had to reveal himself to her to get her to say those things just doesn't make any sense. He was giving her what she wanted in that moment, but it was too late when he just saved her life and William's life. I don't buy it. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, I, the way that you just described it, it's the exact same conflict and interaction. It's just presented in a way that feels more in line with her character as she's been written up until this point, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um. So then... To to jump off that, uh, there there was um, another thing this episode that that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, and it kind of builds off of this conflict, right? Where like because of everything that happens here with Amber, like you know, Mark just spends the rest of the episode kind of sulking <laughs> un- until like you know he has to go do a thing and help his dad, um, and I I think like. Last week, I remember we were talking about the whole reluctant hero thing and like how that arc where it seems like that arc is going and like I'm with that, you know, like I I really don't have a problem with that as a choice for Mark at the start of his career. Um, But I feel like this episode, like they really leaned into it to a point where I was like frustrated by it. Like it was specifically um, when he's talking with Eve and he's like, oh, I'm not going to come to help. I'm just going to make sure you don't die or whatever. And she's like fuck you, man. Like, you know, then don't like, don't like leave. And I was like, yeah, like, what are you like, what are you talking about? You know, like, yeah, that's, and that's kind of what I've been saying. It's just like, I don't see this Mark as the person that's going to continue on being invincible post Omni man. If he didn't want to do it before he learned his dad was a villain, yeah. why would he want to do it after he gets his ass kicked by his own father? See that I, that I ass kicked by everyone. All the time. That's true. <laughs> See, that I think, I, I don't agree with that part of it because I think that does make sense to me. The idea of like, next episode, right, presumably is going to be their fight and, you know, Mark's going to take a stand and, you know. Get and, killed by his dad. Sure. And that'll be the end of the show. <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, and then I, I can... I don't know. I can see that as like his rise from the ashes moment, right? Of like his father had this like, you know, incredible legacy that's been completely tarnished. And, you know, that also is going to create a power vacuum on the planet that he just stuck his neck out to 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 defend, right? And the idea that like it doesn't matter if you're not good at it. Like, you're the only one. You need to become the person to do this. Um, I can I can see that as, like, a good motivating moment. But I think the fact that it's been kind of stretched out this long, like, this episode was where I, I felt like I started to feel that fatigue a little bit. If it wasn't for the fact that every single encounter he has had has resulted in him getting completely wrecked and needing to be saved i would agree but mm-hmm. the the team team who I, what's their name on the show no you're right that's right team okay team. the team team holds it down like they're better than him i mean obviously they're they're a group but like when he oh. was fighting with go ahead the they now are the guardians of the globe that was right yeah they're okay so the guardian the new guardians are 
perfectly adept at handling situations. They don't need him. He's not on the team and they're all alive. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if I feel that way. I don't know if I agree with, well, if he doesn't want to be invincible and he, in this version of Mark, doesn't seem to be in love with it and he doesn't attach any type of meaning at least we haven't really seen it to the fact that he is uh carrying on the legacy of his father um then why why continue i could relate personally if he was this kid who just idolized his dad wanted to be just like him couldn't wait to get his powers because he wanted to be just like his dad saw him as the greatest hero on earth and then when his dad turns bad he's like wait i have to be better i have to be better than my father i have to be the protector of earth because that's what my father didn't do my father betrayed us i'm going to uplift us i could get with that as a human personally but the show has not gone that way so if that's the turn it takes, I don't believe it. That's not this version of Mark. And I just I, the 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 legacy that Omni Man is supposed to have had, it just doesn't feel present. Like they've built up some of it by telling us he's this great hero and showing us the things he can he can do, mm. but like to Mark. It's his. It's his job, just like his his writing career or whatever. I don't agree with that. I mean, like I think like the first episode definitely dealt with the idea of him kind of like seeing what his father can do and being excited about the promise of that for him. But I feel like that was such a small part of what we've seen, and the rest of it has been kind of like the harsh reality of what that looks like. Um, that like, I, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, I just, I don't feel like it's not that it's not there. I just feel like there's an imbalance of it. And like, because we focused on that so much, like I definitely, I definitely get where you guys are coming from. Uh, I, I wanted to say this, all that being said, this was probably my favorite episode. Yeah. I, this, I really enjoyed this episode. This was the episode where I leaned in. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Well, to to add to that, they like everything I've said up to this point. <clears throat> the way everything stops when Omni Man kills a mortal, they man, they make you feel it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think I think that, um, and, and that's the reason I wanted to save that stuff for the meat of this conversation is like, I think all of that, I really liked how it was handled. And I think the, a lot of the questions I had about how certain things were going to play out. um, I feel like we got answers for here, like getting to, you know, (laughs) like getting to see the immediate aftermath of that last conversation that Nolan and Debbie had is something that like, I'm glad we actually got to see. Um, because I think I think again it, it speaks to like how I feel like there's two different Nolans in this Nolan that we know, you know, and like him like uh him making his plea to Debbie to just trust him so that like you know she can stay by his side or whatever was something that I thought was interesting because I think it it speaks to like this reading I've been having of him under the surface where like 
I think he is definitely like a more violent, more aggressive Nolan than than the one we're familiar with in the books. But I feel like um, there is a pull towards that humanity, and there is a a melancholy about what he's doing and where he's at with it now. Um, and I think you see that again in his rehearsing the conversation with Mark and everything that like. I don't get the sense that like he wants this to play out the way that he's pretty sure it's going to. I I really wanted to to call out Debbie in that moment because I was sweating, dude, when she's just like straight up talking to this guy who could just like with a flick of his thumb snap her in two. And she's just like, no, get the fuck out of my house. And he dips. I was like, bro, the vulva on this girl, son. Like, that's some crazy shit. I've never heard that. You can't Yo. say that. Yo. Why? It's, it's, he can say it, whatever. It's fine. Debbie's a bad what, what am I going to say? The balls? No, bro. <laughs> They're soft and delicate. Vulva's protective, bro. That's true. Right. Fair. Uh, All right. I, I also, I thought it was really funny. Um, not funny, I guess, but like, appropriate to the the illusion that Sean's kept pointing out right about how it really feels like they're trying to draw parallels between uh the way that Debbie is like feeling about Nolan and having to tiptoe around him as being like a home that is um you know dominated by like a violent alpha male you know abusive husband type figure and I'm sorry Marco he's a Chad Sure. Uh, and I like, you know, obviously he punches the hole in the wall after their conflict at the end of the last episode. That's a little more typical. Going through the roof, though, that's a new one. That's a super powered twinge on that uh, that trope. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, you know, you were talking, Pete, about the idea that there's a duality to um, to Omni-Man. Mm-hmm. And I think that the show is the show wants that to be the case like that. That is the case. I guarantee it is, but I don't think that the show is, has done an effective job of making that real. So like, even if that is the case, he still was a jerk before any of this, even Debbie says it. And he was a jerk when she met him and she didn't want to be with him. And then he was a hero. So it was cool. But this is a betrayal of everything she knows. And then on top of that, he's always been a jerk. So I think she. I think the takeaway was supposed to be that he was a jerk when she met him, and then he was not a jerk while they were together and had Mark. Because remember, she like has made a point of saying multiple times how he's acted differently since Mark got his powers. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that he's been he's been more of a you know a domineering figure. Right. But again, he started from a bad place, is what sure. I'm saying. Yeah. So I don't. Again, like I stand by what I've said several episodes now i don't see any way at all that it makes sense that debbie is going to sit around you know sad that he's not around anymore because he's an ass and ever since mark got his powers he's been even more of an ass and you know like i just don't i don't buy it and now that he's exposed on on national television like this has gone so differently this whole thing that it went in the books that I will not be able to accept a redemption story for this character as it stands without some significant more character development for him because he just doesn't, he's not a good person. 
it, it works for me because I think to, to what Pete said, he only started out as an asshole. And over, over the years he'd softened, he'd gotten to a point where he'd be like, they, they grew a, a real relationship. And I think that him reverting doesn't, it, it doesn't discount the 20 years that they spent together where he wasn't that, let's say. And oh. right. Like, cause like, cause then, then we're going to have to say that at, at, at all the moments that they were together, he was an asshole, but she's made reference that he's changed and has only gotten back to that point because of this moment. So for me, that that works. Um, I, I can see, see that that redemption because 20 years is a significant part of her life and Mark's and Mark's life up until this point has been, you know, a, a certain way. So I, I can I can see them wanting that resolution and wanting him to to sort of come back because they still believe that there's something there. And if they, that's what they play up for the for the finale here, I think that'll work for me at least. So I'm just going to I'm just going to lay it out for you and you tell me if this is what you're saying. You're saying that a guy who is, again started off as a douchebag has been lying for the entirety of the 20 years that you're talking about regarding his true intentions on earth, why he wanted to have a child, blah 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 blah. Um a guy who killed the guardians who in this show more than even the comics I think they're really getting across how she was she really thought highly of those people and some of them were people she had personal connections with the fact that he's lied to her throughout this period about the fact that he killed the guardians and is still lying to her about the fact that he has good intentions at all um the fact that he's going to the fact that he's been exposed on national television as a monster the fact that he will go on to beat the shit out of their child you think that's redeemable i think that they they're going to believe that there's a portion of them that thought that those moments in between were true to the relationship that they were having i don't think that negates the fact that he has changed so much and has and not changed because this is who he is right like yeah but it's the same thing in the book like like that was the same that was the same revelation in the book was that he murdered these people he had been lying and that and that that we made the we we said that 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 worked there i I I didn't say that I, I think I think it does work in the book, and I think the reason is because I mean all everything you're saying is 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 true, you know. But I, I think the 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 takeaway in my mind is that those things are true, but like him being uh, a, a loving father and husband was also true, you know, and that it's like you you have to kind of like. I guess I, in my mind anyway, right? Like, I'm not saying that like I would necessarily be able to do this, but like, it's that, it's the thing of that, like his life before he came to earth is like within the context of his culture, you know? And like, it's normal to do what he did on the planet that he's from. And when he came to earth, he lived a different life and became a different person for, you know, two decades or whatever. And then there's this kind of like snap back to, you know, like you said, the person that he is underneath. And then it's kind of in that period after his conflict with Mark where he reconciles who the person he wants to be moving forward is 
you know, um, kind of sifting through the wreckage of the two different, very different lives that he's led. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that makes him like, uh, a good person necessarily or anything like that. Um, but I also don't think that's necessary for him to be redeemed in Mark's eyes as his father. Maybe so. I was talking yeah. about Debbie, but go ahead. Kevin. Oh, oh, true, true, true. Sure. I, yeah, even, I mean, even with Debbie, like, I just don't see, I don't see the redemption, uh, especially, especially when you compare it to the book, because in the book, we see him being a loving, caring person altogether. Whereas even, even his good caring moments in the show carry the weight of his assholishness. He punched the shit out of his son. He punched yeah. the shit out of his son. And then later, his son came and asked him to do it again. Yeah. Like, I, and, I, and, I, and I do think um, something... Or, and even, like, they're, when they go to, the, to Rome for the restaurant or whatever, right? Oh, it's so nice. Remember we did this? This is so romantic. And... Uh, oh, there's a monster behind us. Well, I guess the world uh, might think they need to know who Omni-Man is, huh? <laughs> if that's not like a veiled threat that I've, you know? And and I, I do think that that's something, um, you know, that, that we zeroed in on, right, in terms of, like, the reveal of Omni-Man's, you know, uh, true intentions coming at the end of the first episode, I think, is something that, like, for television audiences was probably, um, you know, I think a smart move to draw people in. Um, but you can see here and now when we need to get to this beat how that has affected it in some not-so-good ways. But I also think that, like, one of the things that I keep trying to keep in mind is... They might not be interested in doing the same thing. So, like, that might be why, you know, like maybe they don't want to to redeem him in the same way or like or or whatever. Right. So I don't know. Um, that's the other thing I keep kind of coming back to uh, is that, like, there's so much room for for this to go in a totally different direction um, than than we know it to, you know, at least in certain ways. So that's that's interesting. Um. So getting into some of the, uh, like, I guess, like, the beats of the conflict, um, I really, really liked the mix of action in this, like, kind of the escalation of, of like, Nolan's, you know, reveal, um, I thought was interesting because of how different that is from the way that it plays out in the books, right? Like, obviously, Debbie confronts him and he leaves, and then it's like, he comes back and you know, just fucking ices all these people from the Global Defense Agency and, like, kills Donald, who's not a cyborg, apparently. I'm wondering yeah. if he's going to come back as a robot now or if he's just fucking dead. <laughs> but uh, I I really liked how they utilized uh, Cecil in, in that conflict because yeah. I feel like I love Cecil as a character uh, in the books, and I think he's been fine in the show, but he's kind of been in the background. He hasn't really had that much to do yet because he's just been like solving this mystery or whatever but like i love the scene between him and and nolan where he's just like playing him and stalling for time um and like you know like kind of just trying to run the clock out i thought that was like such a cool um 
use of him as a character because like he knows he's not like doesn't have the upper hand, but he still rattles him. And I thought that was really cool. He 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 definitely became much more of like an active uh an active figure in that episode where uh being able to get inside of Nolan's head was really interesting for, for him. And all he was really doing was just like taunting him and using that teleporter and stuff. Um, but to see like the, the levels to which Cecil will go in order to defend the things that he's trying to defend was also like a, a really cool uh, scene for, for the action. Um, and also just like for the character, because th- there's that moment where it was like, Oh, I, you know, she's like, I hate you. Uh, Cause of like, whatever it is that you, the extent to which like you go and stuff. And he's like, he, I hate myself for the same reasons. So he's, yeah. he's going to like be that last stand no matter what. And that's a cool way to portray him. I feel like Cecil was the heart of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a job that is got to suck, right? Like he, he's been responsible throughout this entire season for trying to walk the balance between uncovering the reality of the most powerful being on earth according to them probably in the universe uh potentially being bad and figuring out a way to do that without alerting him omni man to the knowledge that cecil knows what's really going on and developing strategies to try to stop him this has been his his responsibility this entire show and now that everything is coming to a head he's the man on the wall he's like well it falls to me you know it falls to me to put myself in harm's way who knows omni-man probably could have killed him um and maybe he didn't didn't like make a real attempt for reasons um but even when he like pushed the, the the air or whatever and like i think he knocked cecil back am i remembering that correctly? he grabbed cecil by the tie yeah. And then Cecil teleports and he falls back, I think, because Omni-Man was like about to pick him up. He like okay. got that close. I, I thought the ground had broken up or something like that. Um, that but was a different, that was a different attack. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Cecil's life was certainly at risk. And not only does he have to deal with that, but he also has to deal with Debbie's emotions. He also has to deal with the fact that now the world is aware of what's going on. He's the protector of the world. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Nick Fury. I love the way that they've used him. I think that um, – why am I blanking on this guy's name, the actor? I love this guy. Walter Goggins. Thank you. Walter Goggins did a great job bringing uh, a, a sober reality to things, even when he was clearly like dreading what he had to do, knowing what he had to do, but still walking him, walking into a situation where death was real for him with the same energy he would walk into basically any other situation. Mm-hmm. I thought Walter Goggins did a, an amazing job. I think he's such a good pick for the character. Um, I, I remember, I think in the first couple episodes, Kale, you were saying like, it felt like he was wasted because like Cecil hadn't had much to do yet. Um, and I'm so glad that we're getting more of, of him because he really is one of my favorite characters in the comics because he has such a complex ideology. Um, I really like characters who are uh, people in such a uh, at such a, a height of decision making power that they have to make decisions that they don't want to make. Um, I think that that like 
that can be so compelling when it's used well. And I think Cecil is like one of my favorite examples for that because I fully believe he didn't want to do a lot of the things that he did in this episode, but it's like, it doesn't matter, right? Because like the alternative is like, everything's over, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's it's fun to see a character who is put in that position and like acts in ways that are, um, you know, kind of unpredictable because you have an idea of what his morality is, but you know that he's willing to make choices that aren't don't necessarily align with what he feels as a person. Mm. Yeah. Um, I th- and I think, you know, that was illustrated um, in the example that, that Marco gave about, like, the, the conflict with Debbie and everything, but also uh, through the use of the Reanimen to try and, and stop, uh, stop Nolan, right, and, and working with, um, with Sinclair. And um, that was something, I think this is a, an example of where the compressed storytelling um, bummed me out a little bit. Because that makes, I think the fact that, like, that storyline just happened makes the appearance of those a lot less special. Um, whereas, like, him making that one offhanded comment about, oh, it's pretty useful, though. If that comes back in season three or whatever, then you're like, oh, fuck. And, like, that's something that is so cool in the comics. And here you can see, you know... I think in other examples, it's been used to the benefit of some of those storylines. Um, having them be more compressed has made them feel more real, like not more realized, but like they're easier to like digest because they're not spread out. But this was something where I think I would have liked to have seen that piece stay off the table a little bit longer because like I think um, by contrast, right, you have that kaiju that he like pulls he, and you I remember he makes the comment he's like oh we should put that on ice you never know when something like that might come in handy and then you're like ah yes of course he has this in his back pocket and like that's rewarding as as a viewer you know um but I did think it was kind of cool to see Nolan fight the Reanimator and like just like the three of them like climbing on him trying to like bite his face and shit <laughs> also the idea that they were they were soldiers who he had, you know, done this to. Yeah. That was awful. Like, I really, I'm not like, I'm not critiquing the show for this, but it was just hard to see that they had, you know, given their all in life. And then even in death, they're being used for this. That's like really terrible and disgusting. It's dark. It's really yeah. dark. And, and, I, and I think that that speaks to, what is attractive about Cecil as a character is like, he's willing to go there if he thinks that that's the right thing to do. Uh, even though that, that might keep him up at night. Exactly. Uh, and then kind of the last big, you know, moment of, of the, the episode, um, was of course like the return of the immortal. And, um, we knew that was happening, right? We knew that that was, that that was probably in route, uh, the last couple episodes, but um, I I really liked how they handled bringing him back uh, because I thought it was cool that they were able to, you know, with the, the power of animation, right, like very easily give you that like background story that you get in issue 25, like just yeah. in a quick, you know, it's like two fucking scenes. Um, and I liked that. And I also liked how... Uh, they recreated his original comic book death um, 
where like that's how Mark finds out in the book, right? Is like there's that moment of yeah, you know, he catches Nolan and his fists through him and he's like, Dad, you know, and they like got that and nailed it. And, you know, like Kale said, like you feel you can like feel a pin drop in that moment. You know, like the whole world sees it and everybody freezes. Um and I, I really loved how that how that played out. Me too. Um I thought that was really effective. Um it's I was struck by how angry he was and I thought that that worked so I mean it worked good in the it worked well in the comic but you know when you have animation when you have you know a voice actor when you Screaming. you know when you have these things exactly it adds so much that you can't get out of a comic just due to the nature of the of the format so um I thought this moment worked for me at least better um seeing his his eyes like kind of contort and his face moving around and stuff and him just being so angry and then they go on to have you know this really really like heavy hitting visceral fight um you know that felt like a fight to the death and it was obviously but um you know it felt like that it had that feeling to it i think that the show has used violence a lot but it doesn't really ever seem to have a point to it it's just it is what it is um, this one really had, and I, I think this about the entirety of the ending sequence, even including that kaiju you're talking about, um, I thought that all of that had weight and gravity to it. And they did such a good job with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Kale, did you have something? Go ahead. Well, it shows, and, and this kind of goes to um, the... Uh, I think I think Sean kind of alluded to it earlier. It might have been Pete, but the the levels of conflict that Nolan has to go through through this. Yeah. Um, it's first, it's his wife, then it's a group of soldiers, then it's uh, 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 his son's teenage best friend, uh, then it's uh, the big you know, laser gun, and yeah, yeah, the big laser gun. <laughs> that was, then crazy. It's, that was, was cool. such a cool fucking scene. The Reanimen, and then it's Cecil, and then it's. A kaiju but then there's one last thing and it's ostensibly his equal and right. uh yeah that was paced really really well yeah it, it i feel like it was just such a satisfying burn you know to like go through all those stages and feel that like there's that ticking clock you know, of like, when is he's going to get there eventually? Like, they're watching him. And Cecil makes the comment. He's like, I need to go. Where do you think he's coming next? You know, and it's like, it'd be over in an instant, you know? Um, and they've definitely established, right, that like, you know, because he's that powerful, um, any of those conf any of those things that get in his way, you're like, oh, geez, how long is this going to work for, you know? Yep. And that escalation was the only way that they could set up effectively logically the idea that you know there's news coverage about this if it had just been the way it was done in the book this this wouldn't have made any sense but they had the time to arrive on the scene to know that something was going on and even when he's just fighting that kaiju um hail mary right uh even when he's fighting hail mary any onlooker, even Mark, you just think, well, okay, well, he's doing what he does. You know, he's fighting yeah, a villain. Yeah. He's fighting something bad. It took the the battle with the immortal and the the bloody, visceral way that he kills him. He doesn't just put his fist through him. He, like, you know, 
uh, like obliterates his whole body. Yeah, rips him in um, half and like tosses it in two different directions. Right. There's no way to misconstrue that because even if this was a fight where he was doing what he had to, like that was extra, right? And no one has seen Omni Man operate like that. Mm-hmm. And they know the immortal. The immortal is a is you know immortal. a human, right? Like he's a person from Earth. Whereas Omni Man is not, I don't know if I don't know if they know that. I'm not sure to the, the degree that which people. Know yeah, I don't that. know if the average person knows that. But either way, like I take the immortal as if he's like uh, Superman, mm-hmm. like he's the leader of the 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 Guardians. He's that guy. That's how I interpret the character. And yeah. if I feel that way, I assume that's how the people in that world think. So to see him get killed by Omni Man, especially when the immortal just got killed and the Guardians are dead. I feel like there's no way you don't now know what Omni-Man really is about, at least as it relates to him having killed the Guardians. Yeah, I think that was so effective. And it puts them in a situation now where I'm excited to see how they're going to resolve that because that is, you can't come back from that. Like, mm-hmm. forget about Mark and, 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 and Debbie for a moment, right? Like, put that to the side. How do you come back? How do you redeem him in the eyes of the people of Earth? You can't. You absolutely can't, right? Like, no fucking way. Um, you go onto YouTube, put out an apology, wait maybe like a few months, and then get the tears. Just a couple the of tears. Really yeah. Omni Man really... releases a YouTube video. Here's why I had to kill the immortal. Ten <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> reasons why I had to kill the immortal, and five as to why I could have maybe let him live. <laughs> Donates to the immortal's favorite charity. Yep. There you go. Um,. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, the only other like real note uh, to touch on, I guess, for this episode before we close it out here is is kind of the light resolution of of what's been going on with Robot. Like, you know that that is kind of concluded. He's in, you know, the the young Rex body. Um, everybody's kind of dealt with that. Uh, I I thought that that was something that I did I did like. Like I I love how everybody's kind of like. Yeah, this isn't cool. Did you think we would just think this was normal? And he's like, "Yeah, I kind of did actually." Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was goofy, um, but I think it's definitely more well received than maybe in like in the book, um, where it just, it was kind of like rolled with. But here, just like hold on a second, chill out, wait, what is going on? This is fucking weird. Everybody just has to take a second. Um, it was fun. It was it was a, a nice little goofy moment in an otherwise like serious episode that yeah i think um, that whole section with the guardians provided some like much needed levity <laughs> mm-hmm. well I, the, go ahead Kill. the actor uh is this weird has this weird combination of zachary quinto and jason manzoukas voice aaron paul i guess no. is that the I, voice of the robot no the no, voice of the not- robot is zachary quinto yeah, yeah, but of of the not. Oh, you mean the Rex body? Yes, sounds that way. I that's think a, that's Aaron Paul. No, is it not? No, no. somebody different. It is somebody different. I I looked it up. It's not Zachary Quinto though. No. Oh, interesting. Okay, so he's he got only this... voices the robot drone. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he's got this w- weird mix that I genuinely thought they might have run some software or something that mixed their voices together. Mm-hmm. pretty cool if they did right but... yeah that is interesting uh i actually think it was it was very wise to bake the robot stuff 
into the wider conflict, like make those things happen concurrently because there was no time to really like address it too seriously because now there's something bigger than them that's going on. Right. Um, I really appreciated that. And then also, you know, when he is uh, standing there, you know, monster girl holds his hand and she knows that he did this for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously monster girl is my favorite character. I can't wait to see. I have no idea what happens in the book because as far as I have read, that's just like, not really going anywhere like it just it ended so i don't know what's going to happen but the fact that she um held his hand gives you an idea of what we might be able to expect for them and i'm 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 excited yeah yeah me too um (laughs) i gotta say i i really love the choice of uh jason manzoukas as rexplode i feel like it's so perfect and like the specifically the, the fucking moment where he like opens the thing and he's they're like, well, we're going to drink milk. And he's like, oh, no, I fucking emptied them and replaced it with beer. <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. But then when she when duplicates like, oh, and he wasted a bunch of milk and he's like, yeah, I poured it down the drain. Like <laughs> just something about his delivery, man. I, I think he's mm-hmm. incredibly funny. Um, so, yeah, I, good. Good to see the Guardians starting to get along. It's nice. It seems like they're starting to gel as a team, which is pretty important right now, I guess, because shit's about to go real sideways for them. They're all about to die together. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of We Watch Invincible. If you guys want to let us know what you thought about episode seven, we should talk. Uh, make sure you hit us up in the comments below. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, or you can come join our Discord where we've got our TV party channel, and uh, you can come chat with us about what you thought about the episode. And then, of course, next week is the exciting conclusion of season one. Um, I think we all know what's going to happen, um, so n- no need to speculate. Uh, so wh- if you want to like talk about it or come with some questions or something for next week or your thoughts about the season as a whole, um, let us know because that will be our, our big uh, celebration finale for the end of the first season. So uh, thank you for joining us here on another episode of We Watch Invincible. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, of course, we are the Comics Pals. We have a weekly comic book podcast where we talk about uh, news, you know, everything going on in the world of the comics industry and all the related media. We've got um, our sister show, We Watch Winter uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I always want to put that W in the front, you know? <laughs> yeah, everyone will appreciate that. And uh, the last episode of that, of course, dropped this week. So you can go check out that review that we did over there and kind of the, the conversation about the end of that season. And then um, we've also got our latest book club, um, which is going to be coming out um, on Tuesday of this week. So you go check that out. And it is our reading of um, Sam Wilson, Captain America by Nick Spencer and a ton of artists. Um, so yeah, go check that out. And of course we also have our invincible book club if you're interested. So if you want to listen to our thoughts about the comic and how we felt about the first 35 issues of invincible, you can go check that out. That was last month's book club. Um, so yeah, we do lots of shows. Go check them out. All right. So we'll see you next week for another episode. We watch invincible. Love you babies. Take care guys.